Good morning again. On Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020, I was in this, our youth room, on a Wednesday evening. David Lee and Sarah Holsey had invited me to that evening's youth gathering that I might get to know some of our youth uh, a little bit better, have some time with them. It ended up being an informal uh, Q&A time together. I remember the, the thoughtful and fun questions that they asked me. I enjoyed asking them a few questions. But the thing I remember most about this space was, was how restful it was. And, and if you've been up here, you know the main furniture in this room are, are couches. Couches that, that go in this, this big round area, the whole of the space invites a restfulness, a grace. Do you have spaces like that in your lives, in our lives? Minta's children's sermon mentioned a few that can uh, be known to us on Sundays in which this kind of rest and grace is opened unto us. We are in this room for this sermon because we are considering the fourth commandment and, and, and why we do, to Liam's question, have that, that, that Sunday off, as that Sunday as, as, a, as a stopping, as a ceasing. But, but first, let's hear our second scripture from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. The words of Jesus, come to me. All you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you remember Genesis chapter 1? Now, that may seem like an odd question, but stick with me for a moment. If you can remember back to Genesis chapter 1 in the creation story, one of the more striking features of the creation story is its orderly rhythm that's there in the telling. You have an aspect of creation completed, and then it is good. Creation, it is good. It is a seven-fold rhythm of goodness. The Genesis account was not written as a scientific explanation of creation, the ins and outs. It was written as a declaration, a declaration by way of musical cadenced prose, a declaration announcing the goodness and beauty and order of creation, all of it done by God. And just like any good piece of music, there is one part of the cadence that serves as the downbeat to the rhythm. Six days you shall labor. The seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord. The Sabbath is the downbeat. Sabbath is the only aspect of the entire creation account that is designated as holy. And if that weren't enough, we can turn to the remainder of the Hebrew Scriptures where we see that honoring, remembering, keeping the Sabbath is commanded 150 times. That is more than all of the other nine commandments combined. Sabbath is central. Sabbath is the downbeat to God's rhythm in time. The fourth commandment, as we heard read by Minta in Exodus 20, explicitly links back to the Genesis story so that we can 
be reminded of this. Next week when we look at Sabbath again, we'll see how in Deuteronomy this same Sabbath commandment links, goes in a different direction. But, but for today, we, we link back to the creation story. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, you heard, read. But he, the Lord, rested on the seventh day. Exodus 32, just a bit later in this book of Exodus, goes so far as to tell us that when God rested on the Sabbath, quote, God was refreshed. The word there literally means re-sold, re-anchored, renewed, re-breathed at the most core essential aspect of your being. Imagine that, God re-sold on the Sabbath. And if that isn't somewhat mind-blowing enough to, to, to consider, think about this also. We are made in the image of that God, which means we too are made for the gift of this rhythm, this six days of work and this one day of re-souling. To the people of God here in Exodus, receiving the Ten Commandments from Moses at the base of Mount Sinai, having just come out of slavery in Egypt. This is profound. All they'd ever known is is continual labor, one day bleeding into the next slavery. But now in the wilderness, they're taught about God's design, this gracious rhythm of work and regular re-souling. Our bodies move to a rhythm of work and rest that follows the rhythm originally strummed by God on the waters of creation. So observes theologian Diana Bass, Butler Bass. Sabbath plus plus six. So simple, right? I remember being in the middle school concert band. Were you, any, any of you, in the middle school concert band or, or perhaps orchestra? And I wonder what stands out about that experience. For me, I recall 60 or so novice musicians playing basic pieces of music so that in a few months their adoring family members could show up to the gymnasium and attend the concert. For my part, I played the trumpet. I found out Pretty early on, I could figure out how to play a decent C and then a D and then an E. I even found I could, I could put those notes together and, and make a song that you had heard of. And with a little practice, I could even add some fun flourishes. But then in band class itself, I would learn again and again about the part I always overlooked and was not even thinking about when I practiced on my own. It was and it still is the hardest part about music for me. My awareness of that issue usually came about in this manner. We'd start in on our piece and Mr. Gaines, our band director, would say, flutes, flutes, slow down, flutes, right here with me, flutes. And while he's busy trying to get the flute's attention, the saxes start to speed up. Saxes, saxes, right here, right? Saxes, with me, with the tempo, right here. Then we, the trumpets, we start pressing the tempo and we're loud, right? So now the trombones and the clarinets, they're going faster. Now Mr. Gaines is frantic. Bam, bam, one, two, three, with me, with me. 
But alas, the drums have gone with the rest of the band. You see, there's always hope for the song, but once the drums start racing, I mean, music is a generous term for what is happening at that point. It is a cacophony of noise racing. Have you ever performed in or been part of uh, or, or seen a concert of the fifth grade band where something of this happens? Have you noticed much of life in 21st century America? Many of us, I think, know how to play the basic notes and even some rich flourishes of, of the talents and gifts and work we have been given. But my sense is that many of us struggle to play the music of our lives and as a church in tempo, without a racing sense around us or within us or both. A couple years ago, I remember talking to this woman, probably in her mid-50s, works in the Presbyterian offices in Louisville, Kentucky. She was born and raised in Jamaica, but came to the U.S. as, as an adult. And she told me how every six months she would go back to Jamaica. Uh, and I said, oh, family or someone there needs you? Or, and she said, yes, uh, it's for me. I need it. She goes on to explain that you know, nearly everywhere she had gone in the U.S., there, had been, there was for her this sense of busy and hurry that was in the air. There's, there, there's never enough time, and there's, there's always so much to be done. She said, you know, honestly, it's in the air, and you forget you're breathing that kind of air until you get off the plane. She said, now don't get me wrong, Jamaica has plenty of its own problems, but you breathe the air of Jamaica, and you remember that there are different airs than that of hurry. To be sure, last March, many of us felt a sudden halt to all of the hurry. Some, of course, did feel life speed up at, at absolute warp speed. Frontline healthcare workers, essential workers, parents now juggling school at home and work at home. And then others, even if in one sense life got a lot slower or has remained slower, maybe on the traveling front or the commuting front or the social engagement front, I sense even so there has been this steady speeding back up among us, whether externally or internally. A pastor and a colleague of, of mine uh, told our pastor cohort over Zoom this past week that she, in her mid-40s for the first time in her life, was needing to look at medications for increasingly high blood pressure that had started to race in these recent months. Others in that same group uh, tried to talk about what they're starting to see in themselves, their families, their congregations as these months wane on, and one after another in some way or another, talked about how much anxiety seems to be racing through so many right now. Anxiety through the television, anxiety through the internet, anxiety from watching loved ones fight COVID or another illness, anxiety about income, anxiety about enough work, anxiety about the future, anxiety about our nation, a sense of worry 
they said, seems to be pulsing so quickly and readily through so much of the veins of our society and yes, even our church. By all accounts, they said, it was like the band has sped back up. Whether externally and most certainly in here. And this, of course, wears upon a people, upon, upon our bodies, our souls, our health, our call as a church to shine forth with the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding. And yet, I mean, what can one lone instrument do when you know, the rest of the band is racing? Wasn't it a remarkable thing, though, Three Sundays ago, when the downbeat of rest descended in the form of three or four inches of grace. And many throughout central Texas, many in this congregation, we ceased. I mean, there was very little driving, very little working. A lot of folks just stopped and stopped stared and took in the magic. Plenty of folks got out and delighted in the gift of that snow. It felt to me like God whispering through creation, come to me, you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Or I like how the message helps us hear this same invitation from, from Jesus, the message translation. Are you tired worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you will discover life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, and I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Snow days can be a grace in which we glimpse the regular Sabbath grace for which we are made. But honestly, I think most of us past those kind of instances have no idea how to take seriously, regularly, formatively the gift of the fourth commandment. I mean, it, it, it often just seems like too much. Given all the work we have, the responsibilities have, the things going on, who can really take 24 hours of of, of of, of ceasing, of, of resting, of delighting, of... And I do not want to diminish in the least the very significant, very real challenges many of us face in terms of childcare, multiple jobs, and, and still not enough income, barely getting by, caring for elderly parents, work demands over which we have no control. These play uniquely for all of us in discerning how we, we receive this fourth commandment. And, and truly, some of us genuinely have zero control over taking, receiving the gift of the Sabbath. And so next week, we're going to look more deeply at how we are called, actually, to give the Sabbath to one another and others. But, but for today, let's at least ask the question in a couple of different ways as we wrestle with the commandment's implications for our lives. There's surely a cost to receiving the gift of Sabbath. What's the cost of not receiving it? What is the cost of overlooking or setting aside or not taking seriously the longest and most fully explicated of all of the Ten Commandments? 
What is the cost of not living into a day that declares so fully and clearly and boldly that everything we are and have is by grace from God and Jesus Christ? It has nothing to do with what we've done or not done. It is not by works. It's grace all the way down. What's lost when the whole of our being does not declare that gift? Again, so much more can and, and will yet be said about the Sabbath and, and, and all the ways that it profoundly and radically and oftentimes at first painfully can, can reorient us and change us and bring healing and renewal. Before today, let me ask one more question to help us give pause at the feet of God's word from the fourth commandment. What does music sound like when there are no rests? or when the rests are few and unpredictable and scattered. Anytime the band was really starting to go off the rails, racing ahead, Mr. Gaines eventually went to his default response. He stopped the song and he went to the percussion section and talked directly to them. We could all overhear it, but Mr. Gaines was always looking right in their eyes and said, look, you all are uniquely tasked with keeping the beat, the tempo, And I know you hear those flutes, those saxophones, those trumpets, and all the rest. It makes it so easy to start racing again. But if you will just watch me, if you will just follow me, you can stick with the tempo. The song will come together. The song will come alive. Percussion. Can you keep your eyes trained on me and hold to the rhythm, Sabbath, two, three, four, five, six, Sabbath, two, three. I want to end this sermon by reading Psalm 61, again from the message, as a way for us to practice looking directly at the band director, Jesus himself, and perhaps then also taste and see briefly the gift of God's rest. There's a moment in this particular psalm where the psalmist gives thanks to God for always giving, quote, breathing room. And when you hear that, I invite you to think of the gift of Sabbath in particular. And truly, throughout this reading, I invite you to simply receive the gift of God's rest. We worship on Sunday. We have this day off so that we can receive this gift. And I'll add, if you're comfortable, you may wish to close your eyes as you hear and receive this truth, because right after this reading, we'll lead right into the prayers of the people. Hear now God's word. God, listen to me shout. Bend an ear to my prayer. When I'm far from anywhere down to my last gasp, I call out, guide me up high rock mountain. You've always given me breathing room, a place to get away from it all, a lifetime pass to your safe house, an open invitation as your guest. You've always taken me seriously, God. Made me welcome among those who know and love you. Let the days of the king add up to years and years of good rule. Set his throne in full light of God. 
post steady love and good faith as lookouts, and I'll be the poet who sings for your glory. And live what I sing every day.